Oh, hey there, folks. What do you know? It's the Uticast, episode 308. Joining us this week, he's a local radio legend. You know him from everywhere. Jeez, I don't know how you wouldn't know him. He's on WIBX 950. He was on Fox TV. He's on all sorts of stuff. He's been everywhere since I can remember listening to the radio. It's Bill Keeler, finally here. It only took us 308 episodes. I can't believe it took us this long. Also this week, Heather's back. Uh, <laughs> she's trying to ignore me as I do all these intros. We'll talk about the uh, updated CDC guidelines, what it means for uh, New York, for us locally, about masking. Uh, we'll talk about some entertainment news. Uh, we'll do some history lessons. We'll do a big section about disgusting food that I found on the internet this week. Plus mailbag, Spotify, history lessons, all of this, folks, and so much more. As always, like every week. Well, I'm personally very happy to have you here. I don't know about Heather. But I'm real, I am. I like it. <laughs> but as always, we are happy to have you here for another episode of Centering your your cheese, that what it is? is that Focusing your cheese. I've never heard centering, centering your, your, your aura. Yeah, they said your cheese. <laughs> no, you're centering your cheese. I do that all the time. Okay. I put it right in my center. Okay. Uh, hello, folks. Welcome back to the show. It's the Uticast episode 308. Heather's here this week. I'm here. I only missed one so far. Kevin's here this week. Yeah. I, of course, am here this week. And joining us for the first time ever, I said this uh, to him when we did the interview. When I told people last week, I can't believe how long it took for us to get uh, Ryan McGrogan on the podcast. I can't believe how long it took me to get Bill Keeler on the Ooh. podcast. Uh, a guy who I feel like has been around as long as I can remember. Mm-hmm. At least his voice has. And yep. the name has sort of floated around uh, in the ether. So I'm very happy to have him on the show. First time guest. He was a great interview. Uh, so there you go. Bill Keeler coming up in just a little bit. Uh, Heather, I'm going to give you a moment to, to cool your jets. I can see you squeezing your hand like you're going to... I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Kevin, how was, uh, how was your week? How was your weekend, Kevin? Uh, can't complain. We out here. I really enjoyed the, uh, it was the first weekend, I feel like, where I didn't get rained on, where I didn't, like, I wanted to go out and do outside stuff and it didn't get taken away from me for the most part. Uh, so I was really enjoying most of the weekend that I had here. I thought was, I was digging it. I'm ready for this weather. Uh, Heather, how about you? How was your week? It's good. My week? Well, I'll go with my weekend. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, my week, Kaz has soccer, so that's been really fun to watch him play. I'm like, um, I feel like I'm the only parent yelling for their, their child <laughs> to play or like encouraging him. But we did like, yeah, we had barbecue. We went to Kaz's soccer game. It was a good weekend. Just kind of chilled. I got to come watch one of these soccer games. You have to I'm, watch. I'm... I have video for you to see afterwards. <laughs> yep. Oh, you took video oh, content. Yeah. All right, oh, cool. <laughs> it's just a bunch of kids. They don't know what they're doing half of them. It's one of those things. I took some video footage of my niece and nephew once when we were out watching them play soccer. And I was like, oh, I'm going to save this so I can send it to my sister. She's like, I don't, I don't want this. I'm not going to save it. Because now it's just going to die on my phone. That footage, mm-hmm. I'm going to watch it once. Yep. Now it's going to sit on my phone. And that'll be the end. Unless they get into soccer. And then I can send it to them as like uh like training footage yes, when they were kids. Uh, all right. Yeah, I had to, I don't know if you. I talked to you about this, I had to go down to New York City oh, on yeah. Saturday. I had to drive to New York City. 
on Saturday morning, came back on Saturday night. Uh, and we don't need to get into the reasons why I went, but it was fine. We had a good time for the most part. Uh, but I actually got a moment where I was outside uh, in the streets of New York eating lamb and rice over with the halal, with the, the yeah. red, with red, white sauce in the salad. Nice. And the sun was shining down. I was listening to some music. I knew the Knicks were playing at Madison Square Garden. People were walking down the street. And I was like, man, this is amazing. This 30 seconds, these two minutes of my day right here, wherever this is, this is probably the most normal I have felt in over a year and a half, I would imagine. This is the most normal moment I've had in a really long time, and it was great. Uh, and then someone yelled something mean at me. I was like, well, back in New York, everything's the same. <laughs> but uh, I really, I was happy to be back in New York. It was really nice for, just for a second, to be out in public. And by the way, I just need to shoot down the narrative that I hear a lot of people say. About like, oh, what's going to happen in New York City because of the pandemic? New York City's dying. Uh, untrue. No. I don't think there's a serious-minded person on this planet that's saying that. Yeah. Not going anywhere. No, no, I don't think that's a real take. I know a lot of people say it, but New York City looked almost exactly like it looked when I left. Not, Still there. Not a Still thing there. changed. All the businesses were open. People were on the streets. People were doing their thing. It was it was great. So I really I really enjoyed that small moment of normalcy uh, in my week. Uh, Heather, you asked me when I came and you came in about how my working out has been going. Yeah, how is it going? <laughs> I'm so curious. <laughs> I got I to gotta shout out uh, my trainer who's been helping me out. The th- I went three days last week. I went Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Nice. My legs still hurt. I bet. I, <laughs> like, I bet. Uh, the Thursday was, quote unquote, leg day, I've been told. Mm-hmm. And you're not supposed to skip leg day, the internet told me. Uh, so I didn't. And I've been hobbling around like a zombie for days. Mm-hmm. I've been like stiff-legged. Like, <laughs> it looked like an idiot when I'm walking around. I have to say it's not so bad, though. I didn't hate it the way that I expected to hate it. Uh, I'm curious to see what happens in the gyms when they, with this week when the mask thing changes, see if people stop wearing masks in the gym, or if they keep them on. I'm curious to see what that happens. But I'm not giving up yet. I'm going to keep going. Uh, I haven't seen any results yet, though. No, no, I'm not totally swole after three days, spoiler alert. <laughs> do you have ones this week? Do you have workouts this week? I'm, well, I'll, I'll be there tomorrow okay. and, and Wednesday and Thursday. That's awesome. I also... So you're going three on, three on, four off, three on, four off? So I would be willing to go four on, three off. Just depends. I, it's not up to Aren't me. Are supposed to go every other? I did three on with the gym, and then I did like something on the weekend, like a hike or so something. So three on, and three then... Three on, and then something active on the weekend. I should have done something more active this weekend. Yeah, the New York so City like, thing killed me. But. Yeah, three on and active. That's not bad. I thought we were going to... I was originally planned we were going to do Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So then I, I got to the end of the Thursday workout... And, uh, and she was like, no, we're, we're not coming back tomorrow. And I was like, oh, what a bonus. This is kind of nice. I was like all dreading how tired I would be the fourth day. Uh, but yeah, and spoiler alert, I have to keep up with it because I have to share this story with you. And I'm, I'm sure Kevin's heard the story four times already, so he's going to be bored with it. But I work with little kids. You know this. I work with like fourth grade kids. Uh, earlier this week, I'd been, uh, I've been talking to this girl on, on Hinge. You familiar with Hinge? Mm-mm. It's a dating app. Oh, sorry. Much like I don't know Tinder. Well, you're you're married. What do you know? <laughs> you don't know anything about this. Uh, it was either Tinder or Hinge, one of, one of those dating apps. Anyway, I've been talking to this girl, and we had gone on one like date, and things had gone pretty well. It seemed like we were chatting it up. 
So I'm texting her like before. It was like Tuesday morning or whatever it is. Wednesday morning. And I just sent a text message like, yo, how's work today? I was bored, right? And I get a text message back that just says, I just need to make clear I'm not interested in a romantic relationship. Oh, gee. I don't know. Like I, I was like, I said good morning. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but that's the response I got. So I was like, cool. And then I got the one that was like, we can still have a friendly relationship. I was like, we've met each other once. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how much of a friendly relationship we can continue. Like, I'll be happy to continue texting with you, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but I was told no romance in the mm. relationship for At least me. She wasn't like one of the girls that just kind of lead you. No, I appreciated that. Jeez, good morning. Uh, but that's what I got. That was my morning, <laughs> right? That was my morning. So I was already. No, you know, that's a good point though, because you're not sending no good morning text because you want to be buddies. Yeah, she knows. You're not sending that early morning. Hey, how was work? Because you you want a pal. So, she's like, you know I mean? just is it my the, fault? I just want to. No, get I'm, not, I'm not ascribing any oh, fault. Oh. I'm just saying, like, she just want to get to the point. Like where her she... saying that isn't like, oh man, why would you think that I want a romantic relationship? All I said was good morning. We know why you said good morning. Oh, well, I was, it was yeah. early in the morning. I was like, what's something to do? Yeah, uh, I'm not. I'm not saying anything about. Uh, anyway, point <laughs> is, <laughs> point <laughs> is, it, no romance for for your old pal Famo. No romance. <laughs> uh, so later in the day, <laughs> it's the end of the day. We're sitting around, and the kids are doing some stuff on their computers. And I am just sending an email out, doing some work on my computer. And one of my students, this very sweet kid, just looks looks over at me and goes, Mr. F, is there a Mrs. F? And I go, oh, God. And I go, no, buddy, there's not. And this small child stands up from his desk, walks over to me, and puts his hand on my shoulder and goes, that's okay. You'll find somebody. <laughs> and I go, comedy show. You're and I was just like, oh my God, this is, this kid has just dunked on me so hard. He doesn't even realize it. He's being sweet, but like he is, I'm like, oh, I'm okay. hurt. My heart. You must be giving off some vibe to them. <laughs> I'm right? giving off some sad vibes. That must be. So back to the gym is the, mo- is the long story of that. I'm just going to have to impress people with my looks. It's my new plan. Uh, so that's it. That's all the quick notes uh, I have for this week. Dunked on by children. Still working out. Good. New York City is still alive. All right. Let's get into the the major news of the week. Uh, and this one is the one that sort of has been the big story for everybody. Uh, this was last week when this first came out. Uh, the CDC has announced that people who are fully vaccinated against COVID-19 no longer need to wear masks or practice social distancing indoors or outdoors, except under certain circumstances. This was from the director of the CDC. Uh, I was like in the gym when they made this announcement, mm-hmm. and the, and it was weird to watch the reaction of all the people in the gym. Just sort of like, oh, can we, can we take our masks off? And then everyone had to be like, no, you can't take them off yet. Um, this sort of was followed immediately by Andrew Cuomo kind of saying like, guys, slow down. New York City's not going. New York State is not going to adopt this just yet. But then it was also announced today that New York will be adopting the new guidelines starting on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a couple ways we could go here. And part of it seems to be that a lot of the CDC guidance seems to be based on, you have to just sort of hope that people are being honest about whether they've been vaccinated. And if they're not vaccinated, they're going to wear masks. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's going to be something that actually happens in real in real, in real life? No, yeah. you don't think so? No. Have you have thoughts on this? Do you feel like people are going to be honest about this? Some of course people. not. No, of course not. No. How concerned would we, should we be that people are not going to be honest about it? I, I don't know about should we be. That's a personal choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, for how should you be? I can only say me personally. 
I don't actively care what anybody does because I don't have any control over sure. what anybody does. So I'm mm-hmm. not gonna like get emotional. I've been watching people make assholes mm-hmm. out of themselves oh, yeah. for a year and a half now. I'm mm-hmm. not gonna get. I'm not, I don't have any emotional reaction to what mm-hmm. any folks want. Yeah, of course people are gonna lie about it. You know what I mean? People have been skirting the rules and cutting corners the whole time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like being out in the world, seeing things, people are skirting the rules like crazy. And that's yeah. the reason this has gone on for so long, you know? So, well, yeah, you, it's going to be the same thing. Do you think that will lead to sort of a feeling of people who are vaccinated being slow to take the masks off? Now, even if they're allowed to. Possibly, but that's also something they got to figure out because that's irrational behavior as yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to taking the mask off. Although, I will admit, the first time I go somewhere without the mask, it is going to feel weird, I feel like, at least for a minute, until I sort of settle into things. Mm-hmm. Heather, you look concerned. Um, <laughs> No, I had so many thoughts about it at first. And then I was thinking, what about my kid? Because he's not vaccinated. But then I'm like, I'm not going to put Kaz in any danger right now until he's vaccinated. So mm-hmm. our life won't change because of yeah. this. Do I feel funny going into a grocery store now without a mask a little? Even though I know that mm-hmm. I am vaccinated, I think it might take me a couple tries and going in there and without a mask on before I don't. I think do the it. hardest thing about so. going in there without having a mask on is you don't want somebody to think you're like an anti-masker. That's what I said. I go, yes. Because how I embarrassing. Said. Yes. Mm-hmm. If somebody <laughs> thinks I'm some like anti-mask, like this is child abuse there. This is taking my liberty. My t- I, I would be I would be mortified for somebody to think I'm that kind of person. Yeah. And I also so that's, that's, that's my, yeah, my yeah, general that's concern. Yeah. I said lose, they lose. I guess I keep doing grocery pickup till I'm ready. Well, that's so, the thing. I also don't want to be that guy who goes in with no mask and they're like, sir. You don't have a mask, and then I have to, like, oh, yeah, and I take the card out and show it to him. Then I'm the card guy, or I'm but showing the card off to people. I don't I, want to be that guy either. I wonder how they're going to do that, though. They're I mean, not going people, to. That's they're, what I thought. They, we're just going to go business as usual, and we're just going to move on. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because it's not, this just gives the businesses the off the hook to have to do anything about it. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, nobody expects the grocery store to hire security. Yeah. Yeah. Or whatever. I mean, I'm happy schools are still doing it, so Mm -hmm. that puts my son in a safe spot right now. So all I care is that in, like, less than five months, he'll probably be vaccinated, and we can just all just, our family can move on. Mm -hmm. I hope so. I'm really looking forward to to this summer. I'm really looking forward to seeing people and being out in the world, and I think that this is the first step in the right direction. Uh, the other thing I want to mention, though, is I'm seeing a lot of this conversation, and I hate it just as much, is, like, hassling people who are slow to take the mask off. Like, Yo, giving, don't hassle people. Don't hassle no people. Full stop. Don't like, hassle people. There are going to be people who are vaccinated, who are comfortable taking the masks off. That's not people, your business, what other people do. Yeah. But if someone wants to keep the... Why does it matter at all? Like, that never makes sense to me. That's just, like, sociopathic it's, it's people. No, it's just it's people's, like, making their insecurities about themselves. It's all projection. Like, it's, no, don't hassle anybody. Yeah. Uh, similarly, New York begins lifting restaurant curfews for outdoor areas. We'd already started doing this anyway before everything happened on Wednesday. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic is the best Absolutely. place I guess I can land with everything here. It does feel like something happened big last week with that announcement, and I'm, and I'm hoping that's the case, and we don't have some sort Let's of... Let's just, yeah, hope people get vaccinated and we don't have another big spread this summer or anything like that well i think that's where the paranoia for me comes in is like at some point like what if all of a sudden after everyone's getting comfortable we get another big giant surge are people willing to go back once we've gotten out of it i don't know if people will be right if things get bad all of a sudden are people gonna just put the mask back on the people who would have a problem with that already Already haven't been doing anything Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like it's not you can't say go back and act like the folks who have an issue 
You go out to any bar or restaurant you yeah. want to go to out along Route 12, headed up north, or 5, mm-hmm. headed out south, or yeah. out into the valley, or any kind of place like that. You go to almost anywhere, and you go see how serious people in rural parts of the country are taking it. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's not like it's not like there is some go back to go back to. Yeah. Uh, one last piece of local news before I move on to some fun stuff this week. Developers are planning to put lofts in the Commercial Travelers Insurance Building in Utica mm. uh, for mixed-use property with loft More apartments, expensive. commercial spaces. <laughs> uh, upper floor will have 32 new loft apartments and also 28 one-bedroom apartments for studio units. Feels like it, I, I've seen this building for years. It feels like a building would be weird to live in. There's not a lot of windows in there, I feel like, on that one I know, side. Where are the windows? Can I see that picture? Yeah, there's a the picture. Where are the windows on this side? I don't know if I want to live in like a windowless insurance building. Uh, also, I feel like every building is getting converted to lofts. Am I wrong? Does this just feel like something they, I read about all the time? And are they actually renting out all these lofts? I've never seen any of them. They feel like they're myths. All of these mysterious lofts downtown. They got like four in each building or something. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't know. It seems like an odd place to put lofts. I don't know if you have any particular thought on this, Kev. Who, me? Yeah. Um, I, awful lot of lofts. Awful. I mean, they're all really nice. I've been in, you know, I've been in the Landmark lofts. I've been in the Vegas Square Building lofts. I've been nice. in the ones, the Broadock Press Building over there near Varick Street. I've seen that one. Um, and I have some people I know that live in the Doyle Building ones upstairs from like Bag Square Brewery and mm-hmm. some stuff like that. Uh, people who like them, like them, as long as I can fill them. I mean, I've got... Like, a lot of people, you'll see a lot of takes, like, oh, great, just so we need more lofts. Yeah, the building was empty. Yeah, yeah, My sure. guy. So, like, they're going to do something with it. So, I know that we got to, like, dump on everything that happens. And be like, oh, who's going to get all these lofts? But, like, nobody's using the building. So, Maybe this is somebody might as well fix the plumbing. My old man take on this, generally, is it feels like to get one of these lofts downtown is a young man's game. If I was going to pay the money to get one of these, like, really nice lofts, I'd probably think about getting a house. You know what I'm saying? Like, at, at this age for me. People have, pe- but a lot of people don't want to deal with all the extra stuff yeah. that comes to the house. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't care about mowing the lawn or plowing the driveway yeah. or fixing the mm-hmm. water or fixing the roof or whatever kind of depreciation that comes with that. You know, we've got a lot of people on a professional hockey team that are right down near yep. here who make a ton of money. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? All sorts of different things like that. So... We're going to have a yeah. lot more people move in the area with the hospital, too. That's the so thing, too. They're going to need nice places. People. So this seems to be a preponderance for what we hope to see in another yeah. five years. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of medical professionals that yeah. will have an impetus to live within walking distance. Uh, so, yeah, you got to have them in there if you want people yeah. to come. Speaking of uh, the hockey players, Kev, I just want to mention, I didn't have the notes for it today, but you were right when we talked about it last week. The Utica comments are not going to change the logo at all. It's just a color scheme. Yeah. I, I was wondering if they would do some mm-hmm. sort of modification to get the Devils like logo somewhere in there, but no, it does seem to be a full color swap, and it looks pretty good. I saw it today. Wait, I didn't see that. It's on, it is on Twitter today. You okay. can find it on there. Uh, let's do some entertainment news. I love entertainment. Do you like entertainment news? Uh, Ellen DeGeneres this week announced that she will... Uh, be leaving the Ellen DeGeneres show next season. It will be her last season after 19 seasons on the air. Uh, it's been a long time coming. This article is from avclub.com. Uh, there have been reports and exposés last year talking about a toxic workplace behind the scenes. Um, so Ellen, when she talked about this, said she seemed to be ending the show because it wasn't quote-unquote challenging for her anymore, which seems like a really... Vague. What a dirtbag. I know, what a dirtbag dirt move. Uh, but yeah, so she'll be leaving at the end of next season. There is a replacement for her already, who I'll talk about, but who would you think would be a good replacement to fill in this role for Ellen? Anyone you could think of? 
A lot of people seem to like Kelly Clarkson was a popular answer. No, she had a show and it was terrible. Did you? <laughs> she <laughs> she did. Not... <laughs> I watched it. It wasn't very good. I think I heard who was taking over, though. I can't remember anything. But... Uh, I'll give you, you have a choice, Kevin. You want me to show you who the actual one is? I'm jumping on the internet bandwagon, and I'm saying it belongs to Guy Fieri. It Ooh. should be him. Oh, wow. There's absolutely no reason. He he walks it like everybody else talks it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a hero. He's been getting ridiculed yep. by people for 20 years. Yep. He's got a silly haircut and loves his life. <laughs> that guy does a lot of great things for people. Yes. He's shown a lot of light on small businesses all over this country and turned them into landmark destinations. Uh, he's got silly short blonde hair. Let's give that man the platform. Wild career glow up for a guy like Guy Fieri, who I feel like for the longest time you're totally... Well, now he needs to cash in. Yes. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He needs He's to prime to cash in now, yeah. Uh, the replacement looks to be... Uh, Tiffany Haddish will be stepping in to replace Ellen DeGeneres. Oh, the whites are going to be so mad. I love her. Oh, the whites on the internet are going to be furious. I was so happy when they said she was going to. They're going to say her show is too urban. I'm telling you right now. (laughs) Uh, The girls' trip star filled in for the chat show a number of times earlier this year and bosses at NBC Universal. We're keen to get her Mm -hmm. on board. Uh, Tiffany is a favorite. She has humor and empathy in spades, said the uh, insider told Page Six. She's top of the list to get the daytime Mm -hmm. show, a fresh voice. Um, everything I've ever read about Tiffany Haddish makes her seem like just the nicest person yeah. who had yeah, like also probably a nice thing to settle into for her. Like I feel like if I'm somebody like that who got my fame a little bit later than traditionally mm-hmm. actresses are able to get a ton of stuff to do, they're not making a ton of comedies anymore. This is a better long bet where it's like maybe I can mm-hmm. become a daytime yeah. institution. You know what I mean? Where some of these people who you look at somebody like Whoopi Goldberg, they would have stopped putting they stopped mm-hmm. putting Whoopi Goldberg in movies after Eddie, where she mm-hmm. coached the Knicks. And Shout then the she Knicks. went to be on The View, and now she's been on TV for like 20 years. You know what I mean? So that's a pretty good career. Yeah, I was happy for her. I like how Ellen's whole thing is basically just like, they told me I had to stop being mean, so I'm going to quit. Yeah. yeah I'm a, I like, like, I'd rather quit anymore. I'd rather quit than stop being mean. It's not a challenge anymore if I can't just be a jerk yeah. to everybody. I also hate that she did the, like, the, this is all a big conspiracy against me, and no, they're all teaming people. up out Why would they me. do that? Man, people, <laughs> I mean, people have been talking about her show for 15 years now. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean? just because it only like made like people in the news cared, cared in the last couple. Uh, I haven't watched it yet. Next piece of entertainment news: the Friends reunion has a trailer and a release date. That's right, May twenty seventh, much sooner than many people were expecting. The Friends reunion will be available. I want to say it's on Peacock. It would make the most sense. I didn't see mm-hmm. it on here, but uh, here's some of the diverse HBO Max. HBO Max. Mm-hmm. There you go. Uh, wild and diverse cast list includes David Beckham, Justin Bieber, BTS, James Corden, Cindy Crawford, Cara Delevingne, I can't pronounce that name, uh, Lady Gaga, Elliot Gould is back, thank God, Kit Harrington, Larry uh, Hankin, Mindy Kaling, Thomas Lennon, Christina Pickles, Tom Selleck, that's amazing, uh, James Michael Teller, Maggie Wheeler, who plays Janice, uh, Reese Witherspoon, uh, and also, of course, Malala, Yusuf, uh, Yusuf Az, and of course, Jennifer Aniston, Courtney Cox, Lisa Kudrow, Matt LeBlanc. Matthew Perry, David Schwimmer. Kev, how excited for you? We're old time, we're long time friends watchers. Sure. Are you excited for this at all? Uh, I mean, it, I, it's a glorified interview. So. Mm. Oh, it's not like a. Sh- like no, actual- no, they're oh. not in character. Oh, that's what they did with Will Smith. No, no, they're just getting together on stage to like talk about how they like like yeah. the show or whatever. So it'll be cool. I'll like that, but like that's not really any different than. You know, I'll enjoy it, but I would mm-hmm. rather see them try to do like something in character and make like a movie or a limited. Or make like a, yeah, like six episodes, like a little six or, episode, yeah, some kind of thing like that. I would be more into that, but I'm sure it'll be. Neat. I already know what they're all doing. I follow them on Twitter, who's, Instagram and stuff. Who's the one who's 
too expensive. It's Aniston, right? Yeah. To get like six episodes of Aniston to do mm-hmm. like this. I mean, she was just on the morning show on Apple TV. I love that. So, mm. I mean, like he, she seems like the one you'd have to get mm-hmm. first. No, because they're all, but like they're all like, I think the trick is just like nobody wants to touch it. Nobody wants. What to is touch there to it, be yeah. gained? They get so much money. They made so much money off that show, and they get so much money in syndication. Why mess with it? None of them need point. the money. None of them even remote. None of them will ever need money. You know what I mean? Their their grandkids will never need money because of friends' residuals. Yeah, so that's a good point. Why bother touching it? You know, it's the Robert Plant thing with Zeppelin. Like, yeah, we did it. We were that thing. Mm-hmm. Why get back together now and just to? It never goes well. Yeah, never ever goes well. No, you're right. And I think, uh, you know, I think I was. I look at like the Sopranos prequel movie that's coming up and I'm getting excited for that, but that's not like a redo of an old yeah, thing. Yeah. We're taking this property and extending out the narrative of it. Like this is, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. I'll still probably watch it. I would watch it. If they had done it and put out episodes, I would have I... liked to have seen it, but I know that I'm also considerably more charitable than the average mm-hmm. on that kind of stuff when things aren't that great. Like, you know me, I just like to see people get out there and mix it up. I don't, like, have... My feelings aren't hurt if something's not as good as it used to be or whatever that might be, but the culture at large gets very upset. Yeah. So no matter what they did, they would be... There's no way they could do it and not get dragged through the coals for it by the culture at large, so why bother? Uh, I feel like Parks and Rec had that problem. When they did that Parks and Rec, like, sort of episode Mm -hmm. Zoom call thing, it wasn't exactly what people wanted, and they were really harsh on it. You're never going to please the people. Uh, all right, so there you go. Let's do... This is maybe my favorite story we've ever done on the show, I have to admit. That's right, folks. We talk about it all the time. Legends of the Hidden Temple, the Nickelodeon TV <laughs> show, is being rebooted as an adult game show trying to capitalize on nostalgia. It's going to be on the CW. Uh, the show, which was a Nickelodeon staple from 1993 to 1995, had a mix of inspirations, mostly from Indiana Jones. This time, the entire the entire show is taken out of the safety of the studio and into the setting of a mysterious jungle with tougher challenges and bigger prizes. Like in a real jungle, son? Oh yeah, they're taking you in location. Yeah, well, you're adults now. There's no set. You gotta go out in the real jungle and do something. Uh, I feel like uh, I'm surprised that no one has thought to reboot for nostalgia value like a kids TV show as an adult show. They kind of did it with like. Ninja Warrior and all those things. I mean, I guess Ninja Warrior is like an adult version of like Guts or something, right? Like yeah. similarly. And they have this show on Netflix called Lava. The floor is lava. Yo, floor is lava is a good example of that. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I love this. I would love to go on the new version of Legend of the Hidden Temple as long as I get to talk to the big stone head. Kev, do you have any thoughts about this? Um, I don't think it's going to go well. Yeah, I was no, you don't the think so? Thing. There's no chance. I was thinking the exact this, same This thing. falls under similar to kind of what I was just about to get at towards Friends, one of my favorite old hobby horses. People miss being kids. Yeah. They don't miss <laughs> Legends of the Hidden Temple. They don't miss the quality of, like, the show. They miss being a child. Miss, yeah. yeah. Right? Like, people miss being younger. <laughs> people miss that shit. So everything is through these rose-colored glasses and our, our own nostalgia is being packaged and sold to us as a narcotic every single day. So, I, yeah, I don't think it's going to be that good. I'll watch it, uh, but I don't really have, like, any expectations for it. I think Name That Tune was a good example of that. Like, when they read Name That Tune just recently, I was like, hey, I like music. Name That Tune. And mm-hmm. then you watch them, and oh, this is only okay. This yeah. is just not what I, I don't know what I thought this was going to be. 
Uh, I'm just surprised that like there like these Nickelodeon shows. There's a lot of properties that someone could have jumped on. You see all these weird game shows that people already make. Like I just saw one for this week. It was like The Cube. I don't even know what the show is. It's a game show called The Cube. There's so many of them. There's so I many. Can, I cannot keep up with them. This feels like at least you are building off an existing IP to maybe catch somebody who's familiar with it instead of like I don't know. I'm just I'm surprised no one's taken this angle. It seems a little easier than creating a brand new thing from the ground up. Is mm. it like a new people every week or is it like a reality show? I feel like it's new people every week because it's like okay. five teams. Okay, because it's like Amazing Race, it sounds like. <laughs> I've never actually watched it. My biggest uh, red flag on this whole thing is that the CW is looking to do it. That should be another, that's another it, giant red If flag. you had said this was on like NBC or whoever, like I guess CBS since they own Nickelodeon, uh, then I would have made been more excited. The CW thing is a Bad. huge red flag and target for this to be garbage. Mm. Uh, all right. Uh, quick boo this man this week. Uh, and this one goes to card collecting adults. Uh, I know that cards and trading cards have been really big over the last year, especially during the pandemic. You've seen a big rise of them. Uh, and adult trading card speculators earlier this week have ruined Pokemon cards for kids. Uh, Target uh, in... Targets across the country will no longer sell Pokemon cards, at least temporarily, because of an event that happened in Wisconsin where five adult men got in a fight trying to get Pokemon cards before the, anyone with the store opened up so they could sell them on the internet. And I'm booing these people because this is a children's game. <laughs> you should just let the kids play the Pokemon cards. I give very little sympathy for, like, old men who are trying to get rich quick by spending their money on, like, Pokemon cards and baseball cards. I've seen a lot of this on the internet. I'm probably going to get some flack for that. I know a lot of people I know like the card collecting thing. But it feels very, like, sad and desperate to me sometimes. Because a lot of these dudes don't... It's like, if you want to collect baseball cards because you like baseball cards and you're a Yankee fan, it's fine. I feel like trying to catch, collect and flip baseball cards and Pokemon cards to make money feels very weird to me. It feels very... I don't know. I don't want to say unsavory. But like I don't know, something about this whole thing made me upset. It's like we're gonna well, people. I mean, this this collecting cards and trying to change them for money is different than people pulling guns in the parking lot of Target. Yeah, like this is an indictment. This is not an indictment of everybody who collects cards or does this shit. But like this type of stuff is gross. Yeah, this is wild behavior. I applaud Target for being like we're just not gonna. You want to deal with it? That's we're what they do, though. Bother. That's something they've always liked about Target, though. Mm. Yeah, well, they're not trying to deal with this kind of nonsense in their stores. You would imagine. Mm -hmm. Uh, and let's do, uh, let's do big energy for this week. Uh, <laughs> this late, this is my favorite story of the week in terms of, like, just wild behavior. Uh, Audrey Franeschini, I can't pronounce it, let's call her Audrey, was arrested this week for the crime of trying to relive her youth and to get a bunch of new Instagram followers in the process. Her scheme involved sneaking into a high school dressed as a teenager to hand out flyers with her Instagram handle on them. <laughs> uh, when she learned that they were on, uh, when she learned that people were onto her, she still was handing out flyers on the way out of the building. Uh, I mean, you really gotta be struggling for attention uh, if this is what you're up to. If you're like soliciting high school kids for uh, Instagram follows, this is a tough. I know we've all had a tough pandemic, but but this is this is wildly crazy. <laughs> I don't even know how you get into a high school. Like, it's hard to get into a high school. Yeah. She dressed up as a high schooler and handed out flyers. She handed out flyers. She didn't immediately flee the school when she learned that they were onto her. Despite being questioned twice by campus security guards, she kept handing out Instagram promos and bugging students. Eventually, 
uh, when she noticed that school administrators were coming toward her, uh, she took off. This is so new. However, this is so sad. Do you know how they found her? Oh, her Instagram. Because of her Instagram Instagram handle. First name and last name. (laughs) So, what a shame. So there you go. Big energy segment of the week. Don't do this, folks. Very terrible. Uh, All right. Let's see your Instagram account. (laughs) Now you want to go look at the Instagram. I I know you're going to get them. That's how you get them. That's how it works. All right. Let's get to this week's interview. Uh, As I mentioned, I can't believe it's been 308 episodes of this show and Bill Keeler has never been here before. I've known him for longer than this. We've met each other many times. We've had great conversations in private. So I'm stunned that it took us this That's long. Awesome. Yeah, and I'm, I'm really glad that he he took the time to talk about it. Um, basically went over his whole career. We talked about uh, getting into radio when he was only a junior in high school. Uh, we talked about his career of, we called it shock jock radio, that era of when he sort of made his bones in Utica, about television production, about all sorts of stuff. Uh, great conversation. Really, really appreciate all the time he spent with us. Bill Keeler, we'll be back to the show in just a second. You know, last couple of weeks ago, we it was last week we had Ryan McGrogan on the show, and I told Ryan that he was one of those guests that I I couldn't believe we hadn't had him on the show because I've known him for so many years personally. But now this week, we've really gotten to someone 308 episodes into the show that I'm stunned we haven't had on the show before because of you all know him. I know him because he was a voice that stayed with me since the time I started listening to radio. I hate to age you like that, Bill. Uh, but we but we are joined by uh, local radio legend Bill Keeler for the first time. Bill, it is an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you. I'm uh, pleased that you asked me. Thank you so much. And, and Bill, I got to start with one thing because this was brought to my attention by a mutual friend of ours, Andrew Dominio, who has been yeah. on the show many times. Um, so I've been contacting you through Twitter to try and make this work. And uh, I wanted to make sure that everything was good for today. So I, I sent him a text message and uh, I learned something that I didn't know previously. I refer to people regularly with the name boss. Hey boss, what's going on? And I did this to you at least twice in DM. And I was told by Andrew that this is something you hate. And I'm very sorry. I, you know, it's funny. I just, I'll take it. This goes back. I don't know. I must go back way deep into my childhood when someone <laughs> called me boss. And maybe it's because I'm like just under five, five. Okay. <laughs> right around five, four, somewhere in that vicinity. Um, depends on what shoes I'm wearing. But uh, so maybe there's a Napoleon complex. I don't know. But um, boss, chief, um all of those i i was we had just moved and i i had extra stuff i had to get in my backyard and we'd moved from Ilion to new hartford and i went to a a moving truck place and we had a huge problem because the the truck broke down and the 
the battery went dead and and I'm you know I went back and I'm I, I was just at the end of my it was I was at a peak I was ready to explode and the the guy that was dealing with me was not polite at all <laughs> and he said listen boss and it just became the moment for me that was like crossing the line uh, and I just, uh, I, and it's funny because I had my fun, my son who is in his now, uh, he's 26, uh, has been working up uh, at the vaccination center and doing stuff. And I, and I witnessed him call someone boss. And I said, you just don't call someone that. And he said, well, it's a, it's meant to be respectful. I said, I don't care what it means to you. Call him, sir. If they're older than you, you can't get away. You're never going to, you're never going to go wrong with sir. But boss and chief and God forbid sport, sport. So uh, yeah, I, I gotta. Right. Mention, I have long to mention answer. though, because for me, I've worked in education for a long time. So when you're a teacher, one of the things that you realize you have to come up with some terms that you can refer to the kids as that they'll yes. respond to. And I am also a pro wrestling fan. So one of the reasons I always use boss is because legendarily famed professional wrestler Andre the Giant would call everybody boss. Uh, but I will not call you boss for the rest of this, this interview, I promise. And, and I will work to become less sensitive. <laughs> so. uh, Bill, I'm so happy that you spent some time with us today. And I do really appreciate you taking time out of your day. I know you guys are very, very busy. But I want to start uh, really early on because this is how we generally tend to start. And I've, saw, I've said it a million times. I grew up with a lot of – I grew up in the pre-internet era. I'm thirty, almost 36 years old. So I remember the pre-internet era of – voices that permeated the radio and voices that that I heard all the time growing up. Uh, but for a lot of people, where did you originally grow up? Where were you born? Where were you raised? I'm uh, I'm a local guy. So yeah. um, born in uh, an alien and raised, uh, went to high school at uh, Mohawk, which doesn't uh, exist anymore. Yeah, no, part of the alien, alien school district. Um, and I went to Herkimer. Mm -hmm. uh, college. Um, I was on the, uh, what I call the 10 year plan. I didn't graduate until the early nineties. <laughs> um, just because I kept, I was working in radio when I was a junior in high school. Yeah. That was so, something I, I, I saw on here. That seems like something that's wild today. So in, this is 1981. You're still in high school. How did that happen? Was this an internship? Did you know somebody? How did this come through? I started out with an internship and I just knocked on the door and everybody kept telling me, I was actually at BOCES um, and they had, when they had radio and television in Herkimer County, which was really cool. And it was a good program. And the teacher kept saying, well, there's no way you're ever going to work at a radio station while you're in high school. And I, first of all, thinking about that today, I would answer like, apparently you don't know how desperate radio is when it comes to warm bodies um, that are willing to work for almost, if not nothing. Um, so I knocked on the door at this radio station in Little Falls and they within by that weekend, I was interning there and I was reading the news. Yeah. So you can imagine the station was a pretty rough, mm -hmm. but it's it allowed me the opportunity to do everything. And I was there all the time. And college was not something that I I felt like I was I was relearning things that I've already learned and, you know. Um, so that's where I had gotten my start. By the time I, I, I was 18, 19, 20, I was already working full time. 
So um, college became a little difficult. I went back long after. So I was when I went back and finished, I was actually working on Rock 107 and doing a doing a morning show. So I'd finish the morning show and go to Herkimer and, and I finally graduated just because I figured I'd gone this far. I didn't lack that much. Let's just graduate. So uh, I'm glad you brought uh, I'm glad you brought up Herkimer because I've had many friends over the years who have sung the praises of the media, radio, television production department at Herkimer. I had many friends who've lived in New York who work currently doing freelance work, editing downstate, who say that Herkimer gave them the kind of education that was hands-on from day one that they didn't think they were going to get from larger schools. So I'm glad that you were you had a chance to talk about yeah, it. It did, which, by the way, no longer exists. That program doesn't yeah, exist anymore. It's really sad. It's I know we, we've been... We uh, we wax poetic about that at least once a year, I think. On this and I got to tell you this when I know you're going to talk about uh, the changes in radio, but um, one of the changes is I was quite confident that I was never going to need college um, because I was going to do a morning radio show and make a name for myself. And I, I, I was going to make a lot of money. And the one thing that has changed, and it's really a post 9-11 situation yeah. where the money just plummeted. And there are so many, um, so, so few companies yeah. and so many opportunities for those companies to put somebody in, in Cincinnati on seven or 10 different markets mm -hmm. uh, doing midday and afternoon drive. And you just put one show in live. And all of a sudden we've cut the, 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 the opportunities in radio way down to the point where you know the pay just isn't there even in the larger markets it's amazing what these guys are making today well i wonder too you know i grew up in sort of this era when i podcasting didn't exist and i wonder how much of what was that sort of radio the personality style radio where your ability to sell the stories and sell the jokes and make yourself a personality sort of went to this digital sphere i feel like a lot of that moved over yeah, well, um, I feel like I'm doing right now exactly what I want to do, and we. And I enjoy the three hours I'm on the air. I'm not doing the stuff that I used to do, but I'm, you know, I'm I'm 56 years old, so going out and having some girl run down the street and follow her with a camera and uh, it just doesn't seem to fit my. Uh, I look creepy, I think. Um, so. But I do think that many of the things, if that beeping is bothering you. Oh, I, it's all good. I, I know you're in the studio, it's okay. <laughs> so uh, the, I think many of the things that we used to do are no longer allowed by, um, by radio companies because of, the, because of the risk, the financial risk and the lawsuits and the, the, the world we live in today, which is completely different. Um, what is offensive and what isn't offensive. Um, and I, I think you're right. I think a lot of that stuff has has made it onto the onto the web. I love seeing some of these things. My son will come in and be like, you're never going to believe what this guy did. Look at this. And I'll be like, okay, I did that 20 years ago. And we did it on radio where you you couldn't get away with that today. Um, so, yeah, I think you're right. Um, and... Well, I the website, the website you're right. mentions... You're, so you went from Herkimer, you started in 81... Doing the uh, doing the radio thing, and then in '89, I'm getting this from the WIBX page. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. If any of this is wrong, uh, you can let them know. <laughs> from '89 to 2012, which I guess is the era that I would have thought of as the first time you sort of came into my periphery, 
uh, they wrote you as your controversial brand of shock jock radio. Now, I don't know, I don't know how you take that as the phrasing, but I remember this was very common. And I think a lot of people were chasing, I guess Howard Stern would have been the, sure. the example. Um, now in hindsight, were there influences? Was Stern a big influence on you? Were there other people who sort of drew you into like radio in the first place? Stern was not an influence for me at all. However, later on in my, my career, I worked for somebody who used to be Stern's program director without getting into it all, but yeah, sure. I was on K-Rock. Um, and I think I was encouraged to do a lot of different things. I was encouraged to pick fights. I was encouraged to, you know, to push the envelope and it worked for us. Um, you know, when you're told, you know, your salary is going to be, uh, your salary is going to be here yeah. if you get these numbers and it's going to be here if you get these numbers, oh. well, you're going to do what you, what you have to do. And I think I was encouraged. So whether I had ever listened to Stern or not, which I hadn't, I think that a lot of the things that, that worked for Stern, I was at that point in my career on K-Rock, they were encouraging that. Um, I started out with the with what I loved was the uh, Z100's morning show. Mm -hmm. And that was that. And I know it seems so corny today when I look back at it, it was the morning zoo. And that's yeah. what we were on Rock 107 that, that played top 40 music. And even when I went to Providence, um, that was uh, more of a pop format. So we were kind of doing that sort of thing. Um, and back then, Scott Shannon and Ross Britton and those guys, which goes way back when Z100 had really taken over New York City. That's the stuff I loved. And I loved writing bits and the structure of a joke and, and characters. I'm, I'd be doing both voices, the on-air voice and the, and the character voice. I just loved that stuff. And that's what I thought I was going to do for, you know, for the rest of my, my life. And then I developed into that talk, more Stern-like uh, character, which is, I think, probably the biggest part of my career here in Utica and when I went to Providence. Well, I feel like that was such a, he was such a talismanic figure. And I gotta, I gotta be honest, for me, as the podcast guy, I look back at like the two guys who really pushed the envelope for me for, oh, this is a thing people can do were like Bill Simmons and Mark Maron. It was like, oh, these two guys, I, I just do this all the time. Yeah. And Stern, I know so many people who love Stern. I feel like I, I don't know if it's a generational thing, if it's an age thing. I feel like I knew Stern more from the e-television show than I ever did from the radio. Uh, yeah. And I do mean, and you did sort of do some television stuff in, two, <coughs> pardon me, in 2002. Was that sort of the way the wind was blowing in that early 2000s to make some sort of television as well? No. Number one, I'll, well, it might've been, I don't know, but it's not, it didn't yeah. affect me. So um, I want to be clear about the Stern thing. I really never paid any attention um, when I, when I was doing all of sure. that. Of course, of course. I got fired after we were killing it and I, I'd been fired and it was just after 9-11 and I thought, I really felt like I had been wronged of course. Um, and it was more of a financial thing. Revenues were way down and, I was making a lot of money at the time. And I think that's where this went down. Yeah. Um, I began listening to Stern. So when he went to, to Sirius, mm -hmm. I subscribed and I've been a subscriber ever since. And uh, I believe that whether I knew it or not, he influenced what, what I did, whether I knew it or not. And I think that some of the stuff was brilliant and brave. And however, at the same time, it was very similar. You went, you did things that you, and he totally did. And I think he talks about this in, in 
today, how he regrets some of the things, oh, yeah. some of oh, the relationships yeah. that he burned. And because everything was about scoring. Yes. Everything. So mm -hmm. if someone hated me and there are plenty that still do, it's probably because of something that I did back then. And you didn't think about it because when you left, you didn't have to face them. You're on the radio. Um, if they called in, it was even better because now you're fighting with them on the air and you're always going to win because you control the whole situation. So with that, uh, as for the TV, when I got fired, I didn't know what else to do. And I, I, without getting into the whole long story of me having children and a, a couple situations that, that forced me to, if I wanted, ever wanted to know my kids, I wouldn't be able to go from the natural progression of Providence to Boston to hopefully New York, which is what I was doing. And I had to stop all of that, came home. So now I'm stuck here. Um, I don't want to say it that way. I understand that we're all very proud of Utica and the whole nine yards. But if you're in my business, yeah. uh, if you have the choice of working in Boston or Utica or New York, it's a pretty easy decision. Oh, yeah. But it's also a decision that many, I remember my program director, and if I'm rambling and going off in different directions, I just had four espressos. So um, <laughs> my boss in Providence, when I told him I wanted to leave and come back, and he's like, what are you, what, what are you, you're going back to Utica? No one does that. And I said, well, if I ever want to know my kids, as it is, I'm driving, I was driving home to, to, to the Valley oh, wow. on Wednesdays and every other weekend to try to keep visitation. And it just was awful. It wasn't working. And he's, I'll never forget. He said, I've got four kids, four different mothers. I see my kids at Christmas and Thanksgiving. Everybody's happy. Hmm. And that is the moment where I'm like, I am, I cannot be this. Mm -hmm. So I was left to make good on living here, even though I knew I wasn't going to make the kind of money that I wanted to make and the notoriety. I had to live with the fact that people are going to consider me a small town jock or whatever radio person, somebody that couldn't make it in a bigger market. And I, I there came a point where I really didn't care what anybody thought. Yeah. I have a relationship with my children and there's a family and that's my choice. So all for full circle, um, when I got fired from K-Rock, well, it was 107, but Galaxy Communications. Yeah. When I was fired from there, that was pretty a blowing moment for me. And this was only, this was all about what do I do? And I was in a non-compete for a year where I could not work in Utica, Albany, or Syracuse on the radio. So my contract never sat on TV. Hmm. So let's do a TV show. And... I got uh, my Mac out. I downloaded Final Cut Pro. It seemed easy. Yeah. <laughs> um, Ryan Nobles, who uh, we talked to now, who's at CNN, um, said, you're crazy. There's no way you're going to be able to produce a daily show on TV, half an hour. It doesn't matter. Um, and it was awful in the beginning. And maybe it was awful right up to the end. But it still to this day is a memory for a lot of people around here that say, I loved that show. I used to sneak and watch the show at night and my parents didn't want me to watch it. Um, and it started my career in doing television production and it's allowed me to continue to work here even though radio doesn't pay the way it used to. And that's a very long answer for a very short question. That's a great answer. I love that answer. And, and I'm actually glad you took the time to talk about the Stern thing because I, I'm I wanted to get it out of the way and I'm glad that you made that point. I'm yeah, really for me to, to imply that um, and I used to, uh, but it's, it's foolish. I, I listen because I'm a fan of radio. Um, I still like his stuff today, even though 
it sometimes he's talking about saving kittens which for god's sakes is not his brand but if anybody can go out of the box and do whatever he wants it's him right i feel like the closest version for that today for like the podcast generation is like this joe rogan debate like i i feel like because i work on a podcast and because i produce a podcast people are like oh you Hold must on, i gotta cancel a phone call i should have known to <laughs> not do this to you that's okay either you edit this out or we just have a moment here i can edit I I'll, I'll see how funny it is and then we'll edit it out. <laughs> no, uh, I, it doesn't feel funny, but it might be. Uh, I think the Joe Rogan one is the one that gets me. As the podcast guy, I think- But before first, you do that, can we start, can I go in here and turn on Do Not Disturb? Yeah, of course. Yeah, uh, I, got you marked, I got your times marked down, so. Okay, perfect. That'll stop that from happening and all the bells and whistles going off here. Okay. So Joe Rogan. Yeah, so I think that, and I'm, I didn't mean to make like some comparison to you or Stern. I just feel like he, when they say shock jock on T, like uh, on the radio, that's, I think the first thing people hear. And for the similar thing, when I go talk to people and they say, you produce a pot, oh, are you like a Joe Rogan fan? And I'm like, is that, that must be the number one first thing you guys assume about me. I respect what Joe Rogan does. It's not particularly my thing, right. but I wonder if that's just the, the go-to thing for a lot of people when you hear a particular term. Well, I think, you know, for a lot of people it was, and I used to hear this, uh, uh, you're a stern wannabe. Um, yep. I, I, you know, okay, <laughs> whatever. Um, I'd like to be I, successful. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, we were, we, when we grew up doing this type of, that type of radio, which I'm not, I guess, doing, although it is what it is. Uh, mm -hmm. Kid Chris was, uh, was someone that worked with me, Brad Davies. Um, we had some really awesome people that just loved to we'd spend the whole day making crank phone calls that's what we would do and out of 12 or 15 of those we'd pull out two i wasn't thinking about copying anybody i was just trying to create something that people the next day would be like wow that was awesome so but as for the comparison you know uh, how do you not how does everyone not get, get compared to stern or exactly. To uh, what's the guy out west that really started the podcast? The former MTV. Um, oh, um, I know you're talking about uh, the bald guy, right? Adam Carolla. Yeah, Adam Carolla. So, uh, how do you not compare to Adam Carolla? What, because he's the first one that was able to figure out, hey, you can actually make money doing this. So uh, maybe that's a compliment, and we shouldn't be sensitive about it. I no, I know. I I'm happy anyone even listens at this point in time for me. So uh, you're doing very well. Uh, oh, so uh, so I have to ask you, uh, we've. You've been doing uh, commercial campaigns through the television studio as well. That includes some political campaigns. Were you ever covering politics early on in your career? Was that something you were co covering early on or that only come later on in your career? Uh, when I think when you're doing the morning show, the type of morning show that we did uh, over the years, we still covered some certain political, we normally, you know, normally we were doing you know, crazy stuff and yeah. bits and that sort of thing. But every once in a while, a big political issue would come along. I remember when the Blue Sox were leaving, we got into that story. And when the, when the hockey stuff, we were doing interviews. And every once in a while, somebody would do an interview with me that they wouldn't go to the TV or the newspaper. Um, fighting with Ed Hanna, uh, the prank where we, we caught all the, the media believing that Hannah was, was resigning was a huge yeah. bit for us. And to be honest with you, I, I interviewed Mario Cuomo um, when I was on K-Rock. So we were doing a lot of that sort of thing. It took the, for me, it, 
but I, I obviously we weren't we weren't known for that but it took for me to kind of just mature and get to be more interested in, in politics and that sort of thing. Um, it just became my life. So it was easy to make the transition to do it on the air. So I think you mentioned earlier, and I think, you know, this is a, a very nuanced conversation I've had with lots of people about how it's hard to write comedy in, in the world we live in today. People are more sensitive and more politically correct. Um, politics, I think too, is another one that it was something I remember growing up, it never felt like we talked about. Like I never really knew anything about politics from anyone older than me besides, oh, my such and such is a Republican or such and such a Democrat. Do you feel like that's all part of a greater narrative? Is it because people have more, uh, more freedom to voice their opinion than they did 20 years ago? Were people always this angry about it? Or is it just where the wind's blowing in terms of discourse with people today? Uh, it seems like it's worse today, doesn't it? It does. It does. Uh, it it does seems like Thanksgiving was easier um, yeah. back then. So, um, yeah, I think it's, uh, I do think it's different, but I think it's cyclical. And I think there have been things that have happened over the years where it probably was just as, as heated. And well, you know, obviously if you go way back, but yeah. we weren't around uh, for the radio wasn't around and blogging and, and podcasts. But I think that's played a big role. Social media has played a big role in, in people picking sides. I do have people that hate my politics that listen. Yeah. But um, I, I think there are more of them that hate my politics and secretly listen. Yeah. Uh, and would never let me, never give me the, 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 any knowledge that they're out there just because they wouldn't want me to know. Uh, because I think we're divided. I mean, we're a divided. I, I, I can see from both sides. I'm... I, I see myself as someone who's a moderate and yeah. I think that's a, that's a bad place to be today. It's a scary word for a lot of people today. And I, yeah. I mean, I've thought about this from a, from a show writing standpoint over the years. And I've been doing this show for about five, almost six years now. And, you know, there was a time early on, especially early in the Trump presidency where I was like, okay, am I, I certainly don't like this guy. It's no lie that people know I don't like this guy. I didn't like him beforehand. Mm -hmm. um, but do I want to go in on this guy and talk about the news and alienate potentially half my audience? Or do, my, do I wanna be honest with myself and say, well, if I lose that half of the audience, they didn't wanna be here in the first place. It felt like we're doing this sort of bargain with ourselves about how we should cover things and what it means about how people were gonna come back to the show. And that felt like something I wasn't prepared for when we started this show. Yeah, this, uh, well, I don't think any of us were prepared for Trump. Um, no. No whether you're whether you were for him or you're against him, um, my friend Chris, who's in Cincinnati now, um, they do uh, their um, their meet a metered market, so you literally get results back from your audience every single day. Yeah. Uh, unlike the 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 Arbitron or or the ratings we use today, um, he gets it back. Inst it's the next day. It's like oh, you were talking about this, and we noticed your audience dropped off at seven forty five. So uh, let's not talk about that anymore. And he said the one of the, interestingly two things, and this is this is indicative of what we've been talking about in terms of the old days of the stuff that we used to do and the stern stuff. But he said there's two things right now that are killer, into, and he was a rock audience too, um, or is a rock audience. And the, one is Trump. The minute you start talking about Trump, people jet. Yeah. And the other was porn stars and all the, any of the real highly sexual stuff. Yeah. Crazy that, that a rock audience today, and it's a younger rock audience, 
it's not their thing and and they tune away they tune out uh, i find that really interesting i find it well the one that i find really interesting especially with rock music today and this isn't even a political issue you know working in education i work with a lot of kids in high schools nobody plays in bands anymore the idea of like even when i was growing up i played in bands around here as a kid i played at mcgill's and captain trips with my crummy like punk band cover band and yeah. now because of again it's a new world. You can do the entire thing on a computer now. All these kids right. I know write music, they don't go out in public and play with it. it yeah. I think it just changed so quickly. And I think I, I always laugh at 35, I do feel like a little bit of the last generation who got a chance to see a little bit of both. And I wonder what the next yeah. generation. I think that, uh, I do think, I hope it's cyclical. I do too. That we're coming back again. Uh, that they'll, but you know, I, I look at my kids, my, I, my son is 27, um, 26 and my daughter is 18 and they just don't, you know, they don't watch TV. Yeah. Um, they don't listen to the radio. Um, I'm in radio. They, they grew up <laughs> going to the studio and, the, and the TV stuff we did, they were part of bits and everything else that we did. And they don't have any interest. They're music people. They all are love music, but they have no interest. So I think that um, it is, it's, it's interesting that there's so much opportunity if you want to create music and if you want to get your music out there. The, the problem with, with it though is, is that there's so much content. How do you rise to the top um, with all of that content out there? So it is interesting. I, I mean, what's really, I've talked about this a million times, the, the gift and curse, which is uh, the digital world that was presented to us. I now have the ability to produce this podcast from my house without ever having to leave it. And I've done this show for five years. It's been super easy. I never had to get a studio. Uh, but you know who else can do that? Every single other person who has a computer and we can all put it on SoundCloud and yes, theoretically, the capitalistic idea of like, these will all beat each other out to the best ones will rise to the top. But it is sort of disheartening because I, I you know, you look at it sometimes you're like, I don't even know how many things I'm competing against sometimes. Yeah, 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 it is. And I think for the user, it becomes frustrating. Um, and it's like the, the difference between going through your CDs or your albums, you'd look at an album and you know thumb through records, and that's what you would play. Well, now you have every possible song, every possible record that's out there, but I find that remembering which ones to turn to, because they're not right there in front of you, and there's so much content that it becomes very difficult to select which is worth sitting down to and going through a car ride. I have this issue with any streaming platform. I spend more time looking through Netflix or Hulu to find something than I actually yeah. do watching anything. And then I'm like, well, then what's the point of all this? I sort of, it's the paralyzation of too many choices. I almost wish there was less. It's, <laughs> it's like when you would walk through Blockbuster, there would always be something that you would see. Yes. But you don't have that ability in iTunes or Apple Music. I use Apple Music. There's every possible song out there that I could listen to but figuring out what to listen to is the hard part oh but don't worry they'll suggest it for you so yes the, yeah. Spotify makes me a suggested playlist of all the stuff they think I'll like every morning yeah. and yeah, I hate to say cool. how I hate to say how on on par they are normally Isn't like, that ah, scary? it's yeah. a little scary um but I gotta ask you uh one last question about the old days because I wanted to 
bring this up because we've talked about it with a lot of people before. Early on in your career, you did some play-by-play announcing for the Little Falls Mets during radio broadcast. I've noticed a lot of folks who are in podcasting or end up talking politics or news started off in sports. Was there ever a thought that maybe sports was the way you were going to go? Sports journalism, sports broadcasting? I, I, um, I, there was, I, I think early on I was doing, um, uh, high school football, high school basketball, uh, baseball. I loved doing, and we'd travel all over, go to the dome for broadcasts for football. So I really liked that. And there was a point that I thought I was pretty good at it, but, um, you know, your career, just, you get guided by your career. And for me, it was, morning show was always the thing for me that that drove me um that's a very competitive world sports broadcasting i always thought that for me something was very poetic about the way sports was covered i remember growing up in in listening to charlie steiner and john sterling on the radio and just that the the romance of how it was presented to me was very like well i was like yeah. that was the first thing i ever wanted to do i want to call yeah. yankee games and then as you get farther away you realize how hard it is to do those jobs <laughs> Yeah, uh, especially baseball. There's a lot of downtime, so I think wow. that's why I I I was okay in that uh, area. I wasn't. I didn't play baseball as a kid. My kids played baseball, which I became probably a bigger fan watching them play. Um, but uh, with baseball, it is an art form. They're all. I mean, listen to the hockey broadcasts. Uh, Jim Jackson, who I I worked with, who's won Emmys and. Um, uh, Actually, it's an interesting story. If you're familiar with Jim, Jim was the uh, sports voice for the Utica Devils back when they were here. Awesome. And was about ready to give up um, and then got the call up and now uh, works for the Philadelphia Flyers. He's won Emmys. But Jim and Dan Horde, Dan's another one. If you look up, he I believe he's doing play by play in the NBA. They were both Syracuse interns that were my first year working with Little Falls, they were called the assistant general managers in Little Falls. And that's where I initially met them. And then later on, I worked with Jim at WTLB. And, uh, but they've both been able to make huge careers out of calling, uh, out of calling games. And uh, it is an art form. Yeah, there's something very poetic about sports that I feel like translates to a lot of people early on, especially if that's, yeah. if journalism or creativity is in your bloodstream. I just want to talk about this as well, because this is something I, I knew a little bit about this when reading my research on you, but I don't know if everyone does. You know, you've been very involved in supporting lots of charities locally, nationally. You've done Toys for Tots, Operation Sunshine. Uh, you've been a board member with uh, Mohawk Valley Crime Stoppers. And of course, you've, I've seen you on TV talking about early dedication, uh, detection of cancer. How did uh, When did you realize that like giving back, being part of the community, was that something that was always important to you? Did you just want to, did you feel like that was something that was important as you got farther in your career? Yeah, I think that um, obviously it's always a part of radio. It's always been a part of radio. Mm -hmm. So I just, you know, I started, we, when I was early on and I was still in my teens and twenties, I I did shifts at the Little Falls Hospital Radiothon and that's where um, and I don't think they do that anymore, but, um, I used my, I think the first one we did, uh, in Utica was on rock 107 yeah. and I can't quite remember the name of the person, but she had a, 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 a lung issue and we raised money for her. She was a nurse. I, I want to think the last name was Twitchell, believe it or not. It's in my mind, 
but I uh, they put up a cherry picker in at Sangertown Square in the parking lot, and I stayed out there for 48 hours in the cherry picker broadcast, slept up there, and that started my career of doing crazy stunts to get people to to give, and we camped out on top of buildings. I did an underground thing where we buried a bus, a small bus, and put it six feet under, and that was the the concept. But um, it all just became part of what I did, and and we ended up raising a lot of money. And I, I think to be able to use the tool that you have, if you can use that to do good things, then you should. And it's it's a good thing. Um, interestingly, getting cancer a few years ago, um, Tim Reed and, and I uh, decided to start Real Men Get Tested for Cancer. And that was just, you know, I was a procrastinator. So I'm sure there are other guys out there that are procrastinators. If I can have my experience be something that inspires somebody to do the right thing, I feel like it's just my obligation to do that. Uh, and Bill, you're, you're healthy and good at the moment. Everything's good with you? Well, I hope I'm healthy. My wife says she'll outlive me by far, although she is 10 years younger. Um, I'm sure there are a lot of things I could do differently. Sure. But uh, the cancer is is not here right now. So Well, we're happy to hear that because we love having you around. Uh, Bill, before we get to our lightning round questions, uh, for folks who don't know, I'm, I'd be stunned if people don't know at this point in time, but if people aren't familiar, where can people get a hold of you? Where can people listen to you? Where can people contact you? So um, I, WIBX is where, um, is where I am currently at. I'm about to, uh, I think break a record of my, in my own career for being in one place for the longest time. Uh, I think we're on our eighth year going on our ninth. I, I have a tough time keeping track, but um, so WIBX we're on Fox 33 TV every morning uh, during that time, six to 9 AM. I like that uh, because it brings in a different audience. It might not listen to AM radio. And then the, we're doing podcasts, of course, and the app is really cool to be able to listen to. I've got CarPlay in my car and to hear AM radio in a digital, uh, with in, in, in digital quality is, is kind of cool. So now there are more places to tune in. It's just crazy. So. Uh, and of course, Bill, uh, we're so happy to have you here. Uh, we're gonna do some lightning round questions. Don't be scared by the term lightning round. We don't always go that fast, uh, but these are the same. My mind slowed just a bit, so. <laughs> Don't go too fast. Uh, these are the same five or six questions we ask everybody who's been on the show. Uh, starting with this one, Bill Keeler, when you wake up in the morning, how do you take your coffee? Um, You're a cola person. I see. Yeah, uh, diet soda. Because I'm obsessed with my weight, which goes up and down. I'm currently on a uh, medium upside. Uh, so... I drink diet uh, Pepsi. Usually I was doing three or four a morning and I'm down to one to two because uh, I hear it's not healthy. So I am, I just, I turned 36 in, in January. So I'm somewhere in between 35 and 36. And this is the first time in my life that I have, like, I sort of got last week's the first time I've gone to the gym in 10 years because I was finally like, I have it, the metabolism's gone, man. I can't, I can't do anymore. And, and for me, it was regular soda. I love regular mm -hmm. Coca-Cola. It's been haunting me for 20 years. I'm really trying to like give it up and it's not been going very well. Not easy. Yeah, it's not easy. I will say that um, I have a rowing, rowing machine, which is really nice. I intend to use it. It's been there for a year. Um, but uh, they say that's a good way to stay awake. I'm, I don't sleep a lot. Uh, 
Yeah. So, and I'm up at 4.30. Um, I will say in the last five years, and maybe it's because I've gotten older and, and I get more tired. I used to be able to go all day long without ever taking a nap. So a lot of times you can't take a nap. Um, I feel like a big cup of espresso just gets me rolling and it helps. So if, that if was, that's was the answer, you know. When I was in the waiting industry, espresso was the, the dirty secret. If you were running late to a shift, you're like, just drink it quick and let's go. Yep, that's it. Uh, Bill, what was your first automobile? Um, my first that operated, let's start with the Plymouth Valiant. Um, bought it for 50 bucks. This would have been 1980, probably. I turned 16. Bought it for uh, 50 bucks. Got it on the road, and it turned out that the the, the, the frame was busted. I took it out in snow. My mother was in the car with me, and I had it all licensed up, and it was plowing snow until we couldn't plow any further. It was the middle of a bit of a storm. Um, Plymouth Valiant. My mother, by the way, had to walk in her rollers and bathrobe to a neighbor's house because we were stuck. Delta 88 was the first one that I actually was able to put on the road. It was an awesome vehicle. Well, you may or may not have taken that Delta 88 to see it, but what was your first live music event? 1970, maybe seven, the cars at the auditorium. Wow, the cars. Yeah, it was awesome. cool. And I think in, at, at my parents' house, I still have a cars poster with the ticket taped to it. <laughs> Unless my mother's thrown it out. So funny. Uh, I grew up listening to a lot of like, uh, you know, like Green Day, Blink-182 and Weezer. And years later, I found out that Rick Ocasek from the Cars produced those first two Weezer albums. So I feel like uh -huh. I kind of got into the Cars backwards. Like my, I was into Weezer and then went backwards to find out. Uh, this is a tough question. So if you need a minute on this one, okay. uh, if, if you could have dinner with any person living or dead who is not your relative, who would it be and why? Mm, that is a tough one. Um, <clears throat> dinner. I am not a very, I'm very tight knit in terms of going out to dinner with people. Sure. sure. I, I hate feeling uncomfortable. <laughs> so, um, uh, I would say living or dead, living or dead. Um, I'm trying to think of who I envy in the world. And <laughs> it's just not coming to me. But I, I guess I would say if I had to sit with somebody, I would, I know this sounds like a corny, ridiculous answer, but I just say, I don't know, Abraham Lincoln, if you're going to sit down with anybody, wouldn't you want to find out what he was really like and see if all this, this honesty is real or not? I mean, I, I'm an American history major, so that's never a bad answer for yeah. me, bother me at all. I, uh, I apologize for the uh, the low creativity answer. That's so. okay. Uh, Bill, give me one book, movie, album, or television show you are currently reading, listening to, or watching. I am, that is the one thing my wife and I do together all the time. It's like, okay, what are we watching tonight? Mm -hmm. And uh, Fargo is the one that we wow. just started on. And I think I'm quite a few seasons behind, right? I don't know. I, I've heard wonderful things about it and I haven't started it. So I'm glad that somebody's watching it. I just started. So, yeah. um, and I, I heard that Chris Rock shows up at some point in some seasons yep. down the road. So uh, that's a pretty cool show. Awesome. Um, and that's what we're watching. And Bill, last but not least, uh, besides uh, 
communication, besides politics, besides giving back to charity, give us one more thing uh, that you are passionate about. I am, I'm going to give you, I'll give you two things. Sure. I love, I love working on my backyard mm-hmm. and turning it into a, like a vacation going over the top type. I'm sure them, some people come to my backyard, they roll their eyes and like, really, are you, are you doing this so that we're going to say wow or something? <laughs> no, I'm doing it. I have like 10 chairs in my backyard and I'll sit in each and every one of them because if I had 10 people that come over, I want to make sure everybody has a chair <laughs> and it's a pretty cool summertime backyard. So I hate the winter. Um, and I guess that's, uh, oh, I am a, I love to sing and I love to do song parodies and I am a pig at karaoke. I'll sign up under different names, try to cheat my way in, skip a line. Not good. Um, I'll go and sing and my wife will roll her eyes and go somewhere else. But I love it. Did you grow up? And I I only bring it up because I, you've mentioned the song parodies and I just listened to an hour long New York times podcast yesterday about him. Did you grow up with like Weird Al Yankovic? Was that around like playing Dr. Demento and stuff? No, it was, uh, no. Um, and Dr. Demento, no. I guess I wasn't that, um, I wasn't in that crowd. Um, sure. But I did, you know, uh, Bob Rivers put out a Christmas yep. album years ago. It was, yeah. I was a radio junkie. Mm-hmm. So I'm following, so, you know, a, a radio song parody, you never repeat the chorus because you're telling the joke twice. Yep. It doesn't need to be much longer than 90 seconds for the most part. So I was a radio person. Oh, sure, sure, sure. And I looked at it that much differently than the stuff that was put out by people like, you know, Weird Al, who is unbelievably talented. We met him at the Turning Stone. Um, but yeah, and I played in a band in, in high school. We had our own oh. band, Saturn, never hit the big time. What do you but, play? Uh, guitar and lead vocals. My brother played the drums. It was kind of a family thing. So, I did the I did the guitars and the lead vocal thing when we did our band when we were younger, playing the bars around here. Yeah. And it's funny because years later, when I would I continued to play when I went to Brooklyn and went to New York, and I I went away. From, I was like, I don't want to sing. I don't want to play guitar. I was like, I'll learn bass. I'll learn the drums. I'll learn whatever it is. And honestly, in hindsight, now I'm kind of glad I did because all of a sudden I feel like I can almost do whatever instrument you throw at me yeah. at least a little bit. But uh, Bill, I have to say, this has been a, a great pleasure. Uh, I'm sure for our listeners, I know for a fact it was a pleasure for me to have you on the show. I've kept you on a little bit longer than I planned to, so I apologize. But I'm, I'm a long answer. I'm sorry for that. No, it's great. I, I do appreciate you taking the time to spend with us though today, though. Thank you. Thank you very much. And uh, and I'm just going to, I'm bad at the, uh, the Zoom meetings, so I'm just going to press the end meeting and we'll be done. Okay. And, uh, and again, cool. thank you so much, brother. Going out to my pool. Bill Keeler, yeah, it was a great pleasure having him on the show. Just one of those names and voices that I, hard for me to forget. It was around so much mm. when I was a young man. Um, 
I am actually under the gun today. I don't know if you knew this. I have to attend a virtual graduation seminar for some I of my... I don't me here so early. Yeah, yeah. I have, a, I have to go to a virtual graduation seminar for some of my students. Uh, but I still want to get through some of these history lessons. And we've had it. We're, we're dragging a little bit. So we'll do some of the more important history lessons this week. Uh, starting with this one, on this day, 1954, uh, in a major civil rights victory, the U.S. Supreme Court handed down a unanimous decision in the Brown v. Board of Education of Topeka ruling that racial segregation in public education facilities is unconstitutional. This historic decision brought an end to federal tolerance of racial segregation, uh, specifically deal, uh, dealt with Linda Brown, a young African-American girl who had been denied uh, admission to a local elementary school. Uh Brown v. Uh, v. Board of Education, of course, goes against the 1896 Supreme Court ruling of Plessy v. Ferguson that said that separate but equal accommodations, uh, which was initially about railroad cars, conformed to equal protection across all different things. Uh, the ruling was used to justify segregation in public facilities, including elementary schools. However, with Linda Brown, the school that she was attempting to attend was much higher in terms of ac uh, academic performance than the alternate that was uh, she was supposed to go to the all-black school. And it was also much closer to her. Uh, the NAACP took up Linda's cause in 1954. The case reached the Supreme Court. Uh, Thurgood Marshall led Brown's legal team, and on May 17, 1954, the High Court ruled down its decision. Uh, Supreme Court ruled that uh, not only was the separate but equal doctrine unconstitutional in Linda's case, but it was unconstitutional in all cases because educational segregation stamped an inherent badge of inferiority on African-American students. A year later, Supreme Court published guidelines requiring public school systems to integrate with all deliberate speed. Uh, Brown versus Board of Ed served to greatly motivate the civil rights movement of the 1950s and 1960s and ultimately led to the abolishment of racial segregation in all public facilities and accommodations. Kind of. Kind of, mostly. Um, yeah, I always, I think this is an important one, certainly because we talk about like the constitution as this living document. And again, this is like the perfect example of like how our government is a living document that changes as time advances and progresses. I know, God forbid we use the word progress. Uh, but yeah, this is like a good example of a decision that was wrong when we made it. And when the time came, we had to correct that decision because times had changed and the world had changed around it. And this is a really straightforward, good example of it. And there you go. That happened on this day, 1954. Um, <clears throat> I mean, we're not gonna. I'm not gonna go through all this because uh, it was really long. On this day, 1963, Bruno San Martino became the WWF champion. Bruno San Martino was essentially the first, like, majorly popular professional wrestler. Even before, like, Hulk Hogan, like, a regional superstar. If you lived in the Northeast, if your grandparents were from New York or Philadelphia or Pennsylvania, even if they weren't familiar with professional wrestling as a concept, Bruno San Martino was that kind of a celebrity. He was such a big deal. Bigger than wrestling itself, said famed professional wrestler Terry Funk during his Hall of Fame inductions in 2013. Uh, what was interesting about Bruno was after he retired, he was very critical of, like, what most people consider the popular era of wrestling, like the Stone Cold Steve Austin, the stuff that was like going on in the 1990s. He hated all of that. He thought it was amoral. He thought it was disgusting. He thought it ruined the, uh, the, ac uh, the athletic prowess of professional wrestling from the 1960s and 1950s. Uh, he is to this day, the single longest reigning champion in all of professional wrestling, holding the world title for a total of 4,040 days or more than 11 years. Years. Bruno San Martino, 
one of my all-time favorite Italians. Mm. He's from Abruzzo, Italy. He's not even a fake Italian. Like, sometimes in wrestling, someone's not really Italian. They're just playing an Italian. Like, Kevin, you know, Hulk Hogan, your guy, the Irishman. Well, don't he's you, don't you dare! <laughs> don't you dare! Well, he's Hoagie represents the Irish people. Hulk Hogan stuffed animal on the chair. Over no, there. you're Excuse missing me. my point. Excuse you're missing me. my point. Don't you dare! You're missing my point. Hulk Hogan was Hulk meant my to. My re- guy. Yeah, because you would have represented the Irish audience in that the time. The fact that you even assume Hogan is just an Irish last name too. That's how Vince set it up. That Scottish erasure number mm. one. Scottish erasure number one. I like all this go, is being thrown on me. Why don't you go pledge to your queen? Look at him. Mad that the historian has facts. The reality was Vince McMahon booked Hulk Hogan as an Irish champion, mm. even though he is a bald blonde man from Tampa, mm. Florida. Mm. But whatever. I didn't book him. That's fine. Anyway, on this day, 1965, based on outcry from parents who brought in, uh, who bought into what may have been an idle rumor, the FBI launched a formal investigation in 1964 into the supposedly pornographic lyrics of the song "Louie Louie." Are you familiar with that song? Yeah, I'm familiar with that song. Can you name one lyric from it? Louie Louie. That's the only lyric, right? Uh, as written in 1955, the lyrics revolve around a sailor from the Caribbean lamenting a bartender named Louie about missing his faraway love. Uh, recorded in crummy conditions in a single take by the Kingsmen, the lyrics were notoriously hard to decipher. No one will ever know what started the rumor that Louie Louie is dirty, but the story spread like wildfire until the United States Department of Justice began receiving letters like the one addressed to Attorney General Robert F. Kennedy on January 30th, 1964. Who do you turn to when your teenage daughter buys and brings home pornographic or obscene materials being sold in every city, village, and recording shop in the nation? Uh, That letter began before going on to make the specific assertion that the lyrics of Louie Louie were, quote, so filthy that I cannot enclose them in this letter. Damn, wow, conservatives lying to do cancel culture. I can't believe it. Wow. Uh, Over the course of the next two years, the FBI gathered many investigations into the punitive lyrics of Louie Louie. They interviewed the man who wrote the song and the officials of of the record label that released the Kingsman's record. They turned the record over to audio experts in the FBI laboratory who played and replayed the record at multiple speeds and slower speeds to try and determine whether it was pornographic and therefore whether it was the sale was a violation of federal interstate transport of obscene materials law. Unintelligible at any speed, quote-unquote, was the conclusion of the FBI laboratory (laughs) relating to the investigation. Uh, It didn't quite exonerate Louie Louie, but it also didn't damn the song from becoming, like, unable to be sold. I had no idea about that. Uh, Louie Louie is one of the most covered songs in rock and roll history, and to this day, even the FBI could not figure out what the actual lyrics to Louie Louie were. Uh, Kevin, do you have any thoughts about Louie Louie? You guys cover this one? No. <laughs> no, no, no. I kind of hate this song. I know, but still. It's a fine song. I just, you know. It's just... <laughs> uh, I pulled up a list. We won't go through everything because there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of different songs over the years that have been banned for various reasons. I'll give you a couple I thought were interesting. 1994, uh, You Don't Know How It Feels by Tom Petty was banned from the radio because of the lyric... Let's roll another joint. Boom. Cancel culture. Can- <laughs> cancel culture. That's right. 94. Uh, uh, 1978, the song Greased Lightning what? from the movie Grease uh, was cut from radio airplay. I have to admit, this song is actually filthy. It is disgusting. Mm. <laughs> it is a really dirty song. Uh, 
Brown Eyed Girl by Van Morrison was banned because of the line, Making Love in the Green Grass. Oh. Cancel culture. Cancel culture, 1967. <laughs> uh, Strange Fruit by Billie Holiday, 1939. Song was a uh, powerful depiction of Billie Holiday's horror over lynching. It was banned from U.S. radio for its heavy, morbid uh, content. Too, too real. Same crybabies that you see crying to you, lying to you about the 1619 Project. Boom, cancel culture. 1939. <laughs> uh, Love Game, Lady Gaga, 2009. It was banned because of the infamous lyric, I want to take a ride on your disco stick. Which I feel like would have gotten away with in the '60s because it wasn't obviously dirty, yeah. right? They would have like they would have like cleaned it up to make it less mm-hmm. of a thing. I don't know. It feels like a weird thing to ban it for. Also, Wait. how do you ban a mm-hmm. Lady Gaga song? Yeah, I mean it's weird. I think I heard that song was all over the place. My Generation by the Who, 1965. It was banned for a reason unrelated to the lyrical content. The song's featured vocals resembled stuttering. And people were afraid to offend people who had actual stuttering problems. I can think of some people right now like, now there's an example of cancel culture. Yeah. PC gone wild. <laughs> too woke. The who? Too woke. 1969. Uh, and in 2007, Paper Planes by M- uh, MIA was subjected to censorship on MTV and Late Night with David Letterman due to gunshot sounds heard in the song's mm. chorus. First time they ever put gunshots in a song. 2007. It is, it's true. <laughs> the brown girl from Malaysia. The woman. Yeah, I can't believe it. So there you go. There's lots and lots of songs around here. There's way more on this list. We, I'll, I'll bring this back next time we do something that got banned. But, uh, yeah, I always found banning songs to be just free advertisement, right? Mm. You can't listen to this song. Don't listen to it. It's so terrible. It'll ruin I want my, it. I <laughs> got to know it now. I have to know. Uh, all right. Do I want to do... Yeah, let's do... Nah, we don't have to do the last one. This day, 2000, was the final episode of Beverly Hills 90210. I never watched this show. I'm kind of blown away that this is like a cultural phenomenon that people. Care I watched about. every episode. So you, so yeah. Oh, I sure did. I was seen, too young to be watching it. I've too. seen every episode. Way too young. Um, I've what, seen every episode. What's yeah. the okay? So help me out. What would you say is the overlying like legacy of a show like Beverly Hills 90210? Like, what kind of shows were inspired by this? What's like a modern version of this show today? Which is whatever the kids are watching. This is the same. This is a, a teenage soap opera for kids that were teens at the time. Yep. Mm-hmm. So it would be Creek, like, yeah, Dawson's Creek, Dawson's Creek uh, One, Tree One Tree Hill, Hill The O.C., Those all Gossip came from Girl, mm-hmm. and there were shows before this that were kind of like that too. I don't think like they were Mellor. the first one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mellor was a little bit more like for adults. Yeah, adult but yeah. One, yeah. Uh, yeah, so just a teen, teen soap opera. One of the things they phenomenon. one of the things they talked about was they no subject was taboo over the show's ten year season. It featured sure. uh, plot lines about alcohol and drug abuse, learning disabilities, teenage pregnancy, date Everything. rape, gay Everything. rights, domestic I violence, suicide. Yeah, mm-hmm. these yeah. kids went through it. True. Yeah, this is one of those shows that was a Shout little. Out to Kelly Taylor. <laughs> one of those shows that was a little outside of my um, my sphere, but I was also not unaware that it existed. Like it was so. In the cultural zeitgeist, that like I we were young, we were too young for it. Yeah, we were too young. I only I watched a couple of episodes. My older I cousin, was too young for my it. My older cousin used to babysit us, and I saw an episode because um, she was she graduated high school in like probably ninety six. Yeah, so she was like right at that mm-hmm. right age. She was in high mm-hmm. school when that show was on, um, and I remember watching some of it then. And then it would just be on reruns, so I got into watching it that way. Uh, in the fall of two thousand eight, an updated version of the show, simply titled Nine Hundred Two One Zero. Uh, dubbed on the CW network again, red flags abound. Which focused on uh, a family from Kansas who moved to Beverly Hills to keep tabs on their formerly alcoholic mother, a former TV star. Uh, Jenny Garth and Shannon Doherty both reprised their roles as Kelly Taylor and Brenda Walsh, now a guidance counselor and a musical director at West Beverly Hills High School, respectively. This series ran until 2013. Heather, did you like the reboot as well? No, I never watched it. <laughs> again. 
CW. I can't believe... I mean, if you had told me that Fox was rebooting this show, maybe people would have been more interested in it, right? Well, they did do a reboot. It wasn't Fox, but they just recently left. Two years ago did a 90210 reboot mm. with, the, with the original cast. Huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, so let's get on to the funny news for the week. Um, I thought this was just a really great headline. Uh, COVID, uh, Dracula's Castle in Romania is offering tourists vaccines. Mm. So if you always decided, you know, the place where I'm getting my vaccine isn't creepy and horrifying enough, you can go to Romania and you can get it at Dracula's Castle. Mm. Whatever. I'm thinking about going to Romania. You know, whatever they do to anyway, get a shot. Too bad I already got my shot. Uh, I had a friend of mine tell me, uh, I was working with last week, that um, she knew somebody who wasn't going to get the vaccine. Like, mm. I'm not getting it. I don't want to get it. I'm going to wait. And then found out that if they got the vaccine, they could go to a Yankees game. And that was the reason they went and got the vaccine. Yeah. So I wonder sometimes, like, this is this is sort of a funny story. Like, I'll go to Dracula's Castle, get the vaccine. Uh, I wonder if we're going to start seeing, like, really creative, out-of-the-box attempts to get people to get the vaccine. Absolutely. Didn't Ohio They've just do a lo- doing a lottery, like mm-hmm. a million-dollar lottery or something? Really? Yeah, like, yeah. if you get the vaccine, you get... Drop put in this lottery, hmm. and you could win like a million dollars. Yeah, given like five winners, I think. Yeah, too. I would like this better if I won a trip to Romania to Dracula's castle to get the vaccine. That'd be all right. Mm-hmm. I guess that wouldn't work, right? Because you'd have to get vaccine vaccine yeah. before you went on the yeah. trip. I didn't know Dracula's castle was a real place. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I yeah I I mean oh, yeah. Vlad Tepe's castle. Is that what it is? That what this is? It's your man. Yeah. Yeah, it's his Vlad's castle. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, there you go. Dracula's tourist awesome. attraction in Romania. Oh, yeah, 14th century castle. Looks great. Mm-hmm. You folks can't see this because I'm looking at it with uh, in the studio, but it looks very cool. All right, guys, let's get into some food and I beverage food. news. I do love food as well. We need to talk about uh, coffee creamers. This is really important. All right, so earlier this week, you may have seen the commercials for about three weeks now, but I saw it in the grocery store. Uh, International Delights coffee uh, makers have started releasing coffee based on cereals. Coffee creamers, right? So you can get cinnamon toast crunch flavored, cocoa pebbles flavored, and also fruity pebbles flavored. Fruity pebbles flavored coffee creamer. Mm. There it is, right there in front of you. I just have the picture for it. You can guys find it online. I posted uh, about this on Twitter, and GFOP Thomas D really felt like the world was over. Like, Shout out like, Thomas D. Like this is this is the sign of the end times. Stop. Uh, what are your immediate thoughts about fruity and cocoa pebbles flavored coffee creamer? Uh, Kev, we'll start with you. Um, I don't like coffee creamer. I don't like any sweetness in my coffee. I don't like Sorry, international I delight specifically. Yep. I do like fruity pebbles. Yes. Uh, I don't really have fruity pebbles because like it's, I mean it's like poison. You know what I mean? That's why so, like, you kind of like. What? Yeah. No, this isn't. I mean, this. I don't think this is for me. I don't. I don't think I'm the target market here, but I people who there's a lot of people who love like sugar dessert coffee. People will put. I mean, looks it's a cup of milk. You know, like you go all these Starbucks shits you see on the internet, Dunkin' Donuts. People love the sweetness, so they'll be into it. As I continue to be gaslight here, I'll step in just for a moment to talk about how I feel about this sweet, delicious coffee because I do like creamer. I who do gaslit like- you? I like creamer too. But <laughs> who gaslit you? Oh, I don't know. It could have been the, the liberal media. Uh, all right, so I would say of all of these things that are on here, um, the cocoa pebbles and the cinnamon toast crunch doesn't do it for me either. But at least that makes sense. Cinnamon chocolate these feel more in line with something that would go with a coffee flavor 
I don't understand the idea of a fruity coffee. That doesn't seem like it would make sense. Do you think fruity pebbles taste like fruit? No, it tastes like lemon. Like there's like lemony like flavor to it. Yeah, yeah. it tastes so like, like sugar. So it's like how they give you the little the lemon peel with the espresso. Mm, I I don't know, man. This feel I, something about the aftertaste of it would feel it feels like there'd be you not like it. I don't know. Yeah. This 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 feels like a thing that me personally would like, and it kind of skews me out thinking about it. I think our country mm. has a sugar problem. <laughs> oh, do you? This is disgusting. Well, what are your thoughts about Fruity Pebbles flavored beer? That's even worse. So this is more bad. This is worse for you. Jesus. That's right. Fruity Pebbles turned 50 earlier this year, which is why you're seeing a lot of this. Uh, and Crooked Hammock Brewing, uh, Brewery in Delaware has a beer flavored like Fruity Pebbles cereal. Uh, it is called... Yabba Dabba. I feel like they've missed out on a real opportunity to call it Yabba Dabba Brew. Like, come on, guys. It's oh, right yeah. It's right there. You probably, got, probably couldn't. Right, right in front of your face. Uh, the 8.0 ABB fruited cereal sour is rich and creamy and filled with the flavors of sweet and tart cherry, puckering lemon, juicy orange, so fragrant lime zest. Nothing like... So nothing, so nothing like Fruity Pebbles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's more like Fruity Pebbles in the spirit. Listen, folks, if you want to use your Fruity Pebbles, here's what you do. You make Rice Krispie treats. You cut that Rice Krispie amount in half. You do half Fruity Pebble, half regular Rice Krispie mm. treat. There's your application mm. for the Fruity Pebble. Pretty good. All Fruity Pebbles will be too much. I know you think you want it all, but you don't. Go about half and half. What is... Which of these is more bearable to you? The, the beer. The beer? You that's, like... just, that's just like a regular wheat beer with mm. like notes of cherry, lemon, and orange. Yeah. A.K.A. like yeah. 50% of the summer wheat yeah. you get, I bet. Uh, I see you guys... Fruity Pebbles coffee creamer and beer, and I raise you Jesus. Sour Patch Kids flavored cereal. That's now, right. This looks like your shit right here. <laughs> <laughs> this is your shit right <laughs> here. <laughs> That's right. Sour Patch Kids cereal. This is not a new thing, by the way, but when I was doing my research on this Fruity Pebbles thing, this mm. sort of came up in the lexicon. This. We're getting closer. We're getting closer. This, this. feels like. Is nauseating it? right off the bat because yeah. first off the words sour should never be added to anything where you pour milk on it mm. i don't understand who thought that was a good idea but why would you want sour breakfast cereal i don't, I don't is it really sour with milk i don't oh know. yeah it's really sour like sour oh yeah from what they say here the cereal is the same size and shape as candy sour patch kids and tastes like fruit loops but then they dust the cereal with the sour sugar, which dissolves Ugh. into the milk immediately when you pour milk. That makes me so in. nauseous right now. Mm. I, no, I'm disgusting. not. I'm not sure if I'm right about this. You'd have to check with one of these Zoomer folks. But I think these cereals are just being sold because of TikTok. <laughs> I think this is for people to go on TikTok with yeah, yeah. and be like, "Here we are." But this—that's is... my complete—that's my conspiracy theory, my millennial conspiracy theory about Generation Z. I like that one. This I think w- this is a TikTok thing. This Washington Post article sort of why. agrees with me, though. In the article, like, I understand chocolate junk food cereal. I'm not mm. saying you should get Oreo flavored cereal or chips, mm. but those at least are in the realm of something. Like they're saying here, would you want a Twizzlers favorite cereal or j- like a gummy bear flavored? No, that's all not breakfast flavor. I don't know. Chocolate isn't really a breakfast flavor, to be honest. Yeah, Lucky Charms. They said Pop Rocks yogurt. I could, I could see Pop Rocks yogurt. I could see that one. That one sounds all right, I suppose. Uh, all right, so there you go. Uh, <laughs> here's just a headline I like this week. We'll blast through it. One thousand feral cats released uh-huh. onto Chicago streets to tackle rat explosion. Uh, I don't know if you guys knew Chicago is the number one. 
uh, city in terms of most rats. They called it the rattiest city in the United States for the last six years. Mm. Uh, so the Treehouse Humane Society is kicking off a program to release feral cats into the area to deal with the rats. No word on when they will release the feral dogs to deal with the feral cats. I was mm. going to say, what about the... Aren't cats scared of rats? Oh, they're like the same size. No, much. cats don't care about no, cats. No, no. Uh, so there you go. Uh, be careful out there, all you folks in Chicago, uh, for the thousand cats running through the street, which I assume is less of a visual than I especially not a to see them all let go at the same time. <laughs> uh, let's do uh, let's do some mailbag questions here, uh, and I think this actually ties into something you were talking about just now with the TikTok thing, Kev. Mm. Um, we all make fun of food from we all make fun of the 1950s obsession with Jello molds and casseroles. In the future, what current food obsessions do you think our ge- our grandchildren will make fun of? I don't just mean what seems to be the weirdest. What will serve as some sort of shorthand for the aesthetic of our era? I kind of think it will be sriracha. Uh, I had a couple thoughts on this. Uh, I think avocado toast and seltzer are like obvious ones. Mm. Our, our kids are going to look back at us and be like, God, you guys were weird. You're obsessed with like weird stuff. Mm. Uh, but the other one I feel like is the impossible meat. Like the fake plant-based meat. I can meat. see that. One. I feel like people are going to look back on this either. It's either going to be a huge success and we'll wonder why it took us so long. Or people are like, why were we trying to make fake meat? What were you guys up to? Those are the couple of ones that come to my head in terms of things our grandchildren will look back on and be like, what were you guys up to in this generation? Anything you guys have that pops to your head? I can't think of foods that are really weird that are on trendy foods that would be weird later well i kind of feel like that whole tiktok thing like we were watching a, a lot of people who make food specifically for like instagram looks it's like meant to look aesthetically pleasing but not really like functionally edible mm-hmm. i feel like that'll be something too you see people sort of like it'll be weird yeah it'll be it'll be a lot of that stuff it'll be the obsession with uh like the big meat piles kind of stuff oh yeah because <laughs> like, like anything where oh. it's like oh look we're gonna put like a steak a pork chop a chicken two burgers mm-hmm. and nine yeah. bacon yeah. and a burger or the new because Go ahead. No, please. I want to hear the rest. I was all the rest of it. Like, seltzer water, been around for 200 years. You know what I mean? Avocado toast, vegetable, and bread, right? Sriracha, that's just some Eurocentric shit that's been around in Southeast Asia for a long time. These are, like, regular foods, but I think something more like the gelatin trays and, like, the old, like, yeah. jello. It's It's got to be trends. Like, we're talking about with, like, the restaurant decoration and everything we were talking about. Yeah, yeah. When you, anything that's too hyper-focused on a very current trend, mm-hmm. that's the type of thing that leads itself to be dated and lampooned down the road, you know yeah. what I mean? Whereas, like, reapplication of classic ingredients would be like, oh, what an interesting custom of that time, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. What about the whole tablecloth thing where people are putting, like, the food right on a tablecloth and everyone's just eating it, and then they're taking the tablecloth and throwing it away? Have Is you that seen a thing? That? Yeah, it's all Never over TikTok. That. Oh like, God. they'll put spaghetti and meatballs. Instead of giving everybody plates, mm. they put it right on the tablecloth, dump everything on there, and everyone just takes a fork. Yeah. Yeah, that's happening. Families are... I think the only thing about some of those trends, though, is right? they're all so short-lived. Like, it. in six weeks, nobody will be doing that mm-hmm. anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? All that stuff lasts for such a short amount of time. I think that's also oh, something that's... that's different, because back in the 70s, this was all immortalized Cookbooks. in print. Yeah. That exi- nothing's in print anymore, you know what that's I mean? Good like, that's a good point. Even pictures from 10 years ago aren't easy to find unless you've kept them yourself, you know what I mean? So, uh, I'll do one, I guess, uh, no, I guess that's fine. We, we can call it for this week. Next week, we'll, mm. do, we'll do that one next week. Uh, all right, let's do, uh, Heather, did you have issues with the Spotify this week? Is that my fault? I did, but then I was like, I didn't listen to any music. 
You didn't listen to any music. <laughs> I, didn't, I was like, I had nothing to put on well, there. Well, if you add anything on, you're feel free to. I'll leave it on for you to add okay. stuff on if you decide later. Kev, any songs you wanted to highlight this week from your from your uh, choices? Yeah, let me take a look because my phone's on the charger. Um, I put a George Harrison song on here that I like because mm-hmm. I know you got all the Lennon McCartney going on this week, so I had to stand in for George. Yep. I skipped Ringo because I, I noticed <laughs> Ringo is and continues to be Ringo, uh, and will always be mm. Ringo. Um, and I also put on, what else did I put on here? I put on Miles Away by Goldfinger, because a friend of mine was really pushing me on a new Goldfinger record that's out, mm. and it's pretty good, it's alright, it's interesting, but, you know, Goldfinger's always kind of been a B-plus band at best anyway, and with most of the bands I used to like when I was a kid, whenever they put on a new record, it never really leads up to me listening to their old stuff. Yep. So I put on Miles Away by Goldfinger. Uh, as you mentioned, I have two Beatles songs on here, but post-Beatles songs, I have Too Many People by Paul McCartney, because they wrote mm. a really good article on The Ringer about the 50th anniversary of this album, of the album Ram. I also put on the... This was one of the first diss tracks from the 1970s, Too Many People. It was a diss track based, uh, aimed toward John Lennon. So I also put the John Lennon response track from 1971... How Do You Sleep, which I think is a better track. Mm. Uh, and then also, there's a new St. Vincent album out this week. It's called um, Daddy's Home. Uh, single off that album, Melting in the Sun. Put it on there because I love St. Vincent. Uh, all right. So that's it. That's all I got for you guys this week. Uh, you can follow Heather at HeatherWaz1. You can follow Kevin underscore Kevin Sullivan. You can follow me at SFDoom. Or you can just follow the show at the Unicast. I want to thank our guest, Bill Keeler, this week. Uh, appreciate him spending the time. Um, yeah, that's that's really it. I mean, the tape machine, uh, sign our, that's it. <laughs> sign our humanoids, keep it tight. Woodstock lives, the tape machines are rolling. We are desperately, desperately out of time. And we will see you next week for another episode of the Unicast. Be safe out there, folks. Take care. Oh, 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 oh,